VegCast. This is VegCast 29. VegCast. The 2007 Sounds of Summerfest edition. VegCast. A full menu from first to last. VegCast. Yes, we are back from Vegetarian Summerfest in Johnstown, PA, with a full menu as usual. I did a full menu of uh, taping different sound clips or uh, recording. There's no tape involved. It was a digital recorder. I recorded just some ambient sounds, some music, some uh, talking with different people, and got a couple of interviews that uh, will be banked for future VegCasts, including one I'll tell you about at the end of the show. But uh, we had a great time out there. Everybody had a great time, it seemed, had some good conversations. And we're going to hear this time uh, about Summerfest as a place you go to get recharged and then come back to do something with it. Last year, we were talking mostly about what the experience of being at Summerfest is. And uh, I talked just this time with three key individuals about the question of what you bring back from Summerfest rather than trying to get the in-depth report from uh, lots and lots of people. Uh, So you'll be hearing that and uh, some music and, of course, the science fact. All of that is coming up. So thanks for downloading us. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this 29th. Garden grow, gonna mulch it deep and low, gonna make it fertile ground. Inch by inch, row by row, sow and bless these seeds I sow. Please keep them safe below till the rain comes tumbling down. That's a little bit of audio from a tree planting ceremony uh, that we will hear a little more from. Uh, it was organized by uh, the World Orchard Project, Jerry Cook and his gang uh, overseeing that, and uh, we will return to that. But first, let's turn to our first uh, Summerfest pontificator, uh, Ted Barnett, who kind of reminds us of last year's theme in talking about what, uh, what about Summerfest appeals so much to so many people and how you can take that back home to uh, your own group. So you asked me, what am I taking home from Summerfest? Well, my wife and I run the Rochester Area Vegetarian Society, and one of the things that has allowed us to keep it going for so long, which is we've been running it for at least 10 years, and it's almost 20 years old, um, is that we have learned from Summerfest that people are truly social animals, and that what brings people together, so things like good food and companionship, also helps to motivate them to go out and do the things that need to be done to help save the planet. And so if there's one thing that I take away from Summerfest, it's that we have to keep uh, the, veg- the Rochester Area Vegetarian Society meeting on a monthly basis with our good parties, good food, and, and the good things that come out of that, but make sure we keep ourselves together. Keep yourself together. That's a good, yeah. that's a good thing to remember. Yeah, we like to, uh, our membership is very, uh, tends to be very loyal. We have a number of people who uh, would be very upset if we didn't have our monthly meeting because they wouldn't have anything to do on their third Sunday of the month. And 
because okay. these people, you know, they, they need they, they need to be reinforced by the, the presence of other vegans. And so we're very happy that we, we can do that. And we're proud to be the bureaucrats that provide that structure. Now, is, is there any advice that you can give about getting it rolling? Advice about getting things rolling. Well, that's interesting because, as I said, we're the bureaucrats. There were revolutionaries before us who founded the organization. I'm not sure that we would have had the wherewithal to found an organization. But once you have one going, uh, we're pretty good at that. I would say that if you are starting one, recognize that the social aspect is really, really important. That, um, you know, there's only so many protests you can go to uh, where you feel like you're isolated. What you really want to do is form a group of people to get, get a group of people together who like each other and who want to come to get together periodically. Uh, and I think that can form the nucleus and the basis for a, for a, a long-lasting organization. So... Remember that we're social animals. We like to get together. Very true, and that is, of course, a large part of the appeal of Summerfest is being together with so many uh, like-minded people, but uh, it can be achieved on perhaps a smaller scale if you're willing to put some effort into it. And speaking of putting effort into it, uh, one of the most indefatigable organizers and uh, activists in her own area, perhaps the only one for all I know, uh, formerly of the Kansas City area, Joanne Farb, uh, who moved to uh, another town a little ways away uh, last year and actually was not at Summerfest. So her answer will incorporate uh, some of what she would have answered last year, and then uh, go on to an example of the kinds of stuff that she comes up with uh, that she takes home from Summerfest. First, I'd like to speak to the making it to Summerfest thing, because last year was the first year in 12 years that, because of family crisis, we did not make it to Summerfest. Right. And having missed a year and looking at how I functioned in that remaining, in that year when I wasn't here, and what I feel like now, after several days of being here, I am realizing once again, as I realize every time that I come here, how much this nourishes my soul and how critical it is to my ability to, to function and be happy in life. The connection with other people who understand these issues and the hopefulness that I get from hearing about different people's successes in their communities and the things that they're doing that are making a difference Words can really not describe how this nourishes my soul to 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 meet the to, to see people that are doing things the the effective activism um, and just it's an amazing place. This is this is just so incredible, and I am so grateful to all of the volunteers that make Summerfest happen every year. I don't know how I could survive and have half as good of a life as I have right now were it not for what I'm getting from my annual Summerfest trips. Okay, well, that's fair because last year was when I asked everybody, you know, what they thought was special about Summerfest or whatever. We didn't get your reaction then, so we'll have that, pop that in. (laughs) But taking off from the thing about people coming back and doing stuff with it, could you give us some, some background on what you've done? God, you know, opportunities just present at different times. And for instance, um, for instance, our families had a fantasy about running a restaurant. Now we're we're we we don't actually think we really want to do this unless and until we win the lottery and can hire professional management. 
we don't think we could handle the 24-7 thing. But, but a wonderful vegan restaurant that, that we have a dream about what it would look like and what it would be like. We decided when we, back before we moved, when we lived in this big house, that we would create a restaurant in our home for one day as a homeschool project. Mm-hmm. Um, and we invited members of the homeschooling community, of which we're a part in the Kansas City area, to participate in a workshop with us. It was for kids 9 to 12 years old, where we would create and run our own vegan restaurant in our house for a day. So there were a series of meetings that we had leading up to this, where we brainstormed you know, what recipes we wanted to offer, how we would handle logistics of running the restaurant, how we would arrange things to make a pleasant environment, how we would accommodate a variety of food preferences and potential allergies and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. And so we, we had this workshop with the kids where we did all of this. And um, and then the, our final meeting, we spent the day prepping food and we, via uh internet we an email we opened it up to the animal rights community and to the rest of the homeschooling community to come and patronize our restaurant i believe we had probably close to a hundred people come through that day wow we had uh, we made the dining in room in your house in our house we made that we could actually seat somewhere around 50 or 60 people at one time in the in the main room and i mean some of these seats were coffee tables with cushions around them on the floor but okay. you know with the dining room turned into a waiting room, we had people outside waiting to get in, and um, it was an incredible experience, not only for the children involved in it, not all of whom were vegan, but got to learn about the reasons of why we prepare vegan food and how to prepare vegan food, Mm -hmm. but also a lot of people from the homeschool community came, many of whom did not know how wonderfully tasty vegan food could be, and commented just that, that they Mm -hmm. were really amazed at how wonderful the food was. Um, in fact, I wrote an article about this, and it's up on my website with some pictures of these adorable little black olive tofu penguins that we made. Okay, well, we will have a link to that in our show notes then. But that is that is literally just one day of something that you did. I mean, you were planning it and everything, but for people to think, oh, Joanne Farb, she's that person who did that, that one event, that's crazy because you're like, you're in Kansas City, you were moving and shaking and like uh, doing all kinds of stuff. You know, different things come up at different times. For a short time, my children participated with this Montessori school in our area. And issues came up at the school about they they took the kids fishing, for example, and and that created opportunities for us. I felt like since we were part of that school for a a while, Mm -hmm. we had a voice there, which we wouldn't have had if we weren't part of the school, and we had an obligation to use it. Okay. So we just, I can't, I can't say we have any huge project we're working on in an ongoing way, but rather we look for opportunities that present in our life that we may be uniquely in a position to have a voice in or to, you know, share veganism via that. And it's and overall I'd say it's lots and lots of just different things that so come it's, up. It's not necessarily having this one plan that you're going to, Institute, but to watch for opportunities, opportunities and be ready come up to exploit. And we want to be have the flexibility and the energy and creativity to address them and and have fun with them too when we can. Words of wisdom from Joanne Farb. Now, before we hear our third perspective, just a little interlude. Uh, I did finally, for the first time this year, take George Eisman's class on uh, edible wild plants, which involved going out 
into uh, the courtyard and the parking lot and areas around the Living Learning Center at the Johnstown campus of the University of Pittsburgh and looking at the different plants that are just growing there by the sidewalk, by the road, and so forth, which are actually nutritious as well as edible and finding out which ones are edible and which ones look kind of like them but aren't. And is it important and fascinating uh, subject that George Eisman uh, is a a leading proponent, if not the leading proponent, uh, certainly the leading proponent at Summerfest, but more so than even George Eisman, the uh, individual that captivated everybody was against Sarah Eisman, his daughter, uh, who I will just play a little fair use sample of some of the singing that she did this year. Just a short clip of Sarah Schluter-Eisman performing on Saturday night at Summerfest. And now we take you over to our final voice, uh, which I think you'll probably recognize on the topic of uh, taking something home from Summerfest. Summerfest is an opportunity. It's like a graduate degree for people that care about teaching a better way of life. And you come to Summerfest, you pick up good ideas, you talk to people that have been out there and done it. We went to Ellensburg, Washington, where the Washington State Cattlemen's Association is headquartered, a town of 17,000, and there was no vegetarian organization. And so my wife and I looked out and said, it's up to us to start it. And so we started one, and we're going to have people in the organization participate. They need to know where they can go and eat. So my wife went to every restaurant in town and basically said, look, we started an organization. We have people that are looking for vegetarian and vegan options. Uh, how about your menu? How does it fit? Every, every food outlet in town except one, only one of them said, we don't care about you vegetarians. We don't care if you ever darken the door. Every other one said, ooh, really? Well, we have these options, and we can do this, and we're reprinting the menu, and there will be more. Yeah. And it's all about just going out and doing it. You know, this is not about what's somebody going to do for me. What we're about right now is what can we do so there is a future for our children and grandchildren. The Right now, the graduate degree in the future is being offered at Summerfest, and we have the greatest group of visiting professors that you will ever have in the world, and only a fool would come here and not go home wiser. That's Howard Lyman, of course, explaining how he and his wife, Willow Jean, or perhaps principally Willow Jean, got restaurants in their new hometown to uh, adopt vegetarian options after they uh, moved uh, across uh, the state. 
And I had hoped to also speak to Michael Greger, Dr. Michael Greger, who regular VegCast listeners will remember hearing on here a few times, but he somehow got away from Summerfest before uh, the whole thing was over, and I didn't have a chance to, and I uh, believe he was uh, wary of facing the critics once it was revealed that his big talk, uh, which received a standing ovation, uh, about all of the new developments in uh, science and veganism and nutrition over the past year, uh, that a key portion of that was lifted from VegCast, which he later admitted to me, but not to the Summerfest public. Uh, the uh, the bit about Ally and, I mean, actually, it's not anything that was original with me either. It was just uh, pointing out the part of their website where they advised you to wear dark pants if you were taking this this diet drug because of the obvious uh, reason. But we will get Michael Greger on to talk about uh, that or something else essential sooner or later. And uh, that's about it for this portion of the VegCast. And we will go now to another part of that scene at the tree planting where Kyle Vincent played uh, one of his songs, Petals of Peace, and so we're going to have that be our musical selection, breaking a VegCast tradition that uh, no one performer or vegetarian personality would be in the featured spotlight for three VegCasts in a row, but dash it, Kyle Vincent just has to be there. It's uh, it's a great song, and uh, considering that it's recorded on a tiny little uh, portable recorder outside with the wind going by and uh, him not being very close to the microphone. I think it came out uh, pretty well, so have a listen. Wake up, it's morning. Shake off the old way and welcome a new day that's dawning. Open your tired eyes, morning sun rises, yawning. Smile at the sky, celebrating. Look all around you, beauty surrounds you. It's saying the night was long, but now it's gone. Maybe today. It's fading Remember We're all from the same dust Love's born inside Every one of us We learn to hurt We learn to hate And then suffer The time 
performance of Petals of Peace there right outside the Living Learning Center at Summerfest. And before we leave the Summerfest thing, I wanted to point you all to climatehealth.net where Sylvester Johnson uh, has a bunch of audio files, uh, not technically called podcasts because there is not a feed for them and they are not coming out periodically, but he has a group of files that are interviews with T. Colin Campbell about uh, the China study, the book, the study itself, the implications, and so forth. And uh, I spoke to him. He gave me a little flyer, so I said I would mention that. And uh, if you, again, if you haven't read the China study, I said this before, but I will reiterate that I thought I knew everything that was in it because I talked to T. Colin Campbell so much about this when he was writing it, but just reading the whole book, uh, it really was an eye-opener even for me. So I recommend that, and I recommend that you head on over to climatehealth.net to uh, check those out. And now it is time for Science The milk we drink today may not be nature's perfect food, is the lead of this article from Harvard Magazine, the May-June 2007 Edition, that's a quote from Ganma Dabasambu, a Mongolian physician who is a fellow this year at the Radcliffe Institute for Advanced Study. Uh, taking off from that, what may be the understatement of the year, uh, the article goes on to describe how this scientist has compared uh, Mongolian traditional milking practices to modern practices uh, which the latter of which result in a higher number of hormones in the milk because of milking through uh, the late stages of pregnancy. 
Quoting now, her concern stems not from the use of bovine growth hormone. She excluded BGH-fed cows from her studies, but from the fact that milk-producing cows in commercial dairies through use of artificial insemination and high-quality winter feed are kept pregnant and lactating 300 days a year. Uh, And this is something that a lot of people, number one, are not aware that cows are kept pregnant or that uh, growth hormones in milk are a naturally occurring uh, concept uh, and that it's not just BGH. It's not just artificial or recombinant growth hormones that you need to look at, but the fact that milk is something that's supposed to promote cell growth, which not surprisingly has the effect uh, often of promoting cancer. Quoting again in a 2002 study of cancer and diet in 42 countries, Ganma and colleagues found that countries with the highest consumption of dairy products suffered the highest rates of prostatic and testicular cancer. A similar study Ganma did in 2005 showed much the same results for breast, ovarian, and uterine cancers. They go on to uh, cite a somewhat circumstantial statistic, but still one that uh, is a pretty large number uh, of data. Prior to World War II, the Japanese consumed very little milk. The rates of and rates of these cancers were low. But in the 1950s, a school lunch program that included milk was instituted nationwide. Since that time, the intake of milk has increased 20-fold, and the incidence of prostate cancer has increased 25 fold. Uh, Based on what she has found so far, the article concludes, Ganma believes that cows in late pregnancy should not be milked, or at least that such milk should be labeled to indicate that it comes from a pregnant cow. Well, uh, obviously, we here at VegCast would agree that cows in late pregnancy should not be milked, uh, but uh, we also agree that uh, cows in early pregnancy should not be milked, but the fact of the matter is that commercial dairies are very unlikely to give up any of their profit-making potential by cutting back on when cows are milked or, of course, in allowing their product to be labeled such that consumers would see this and say, a pregnant cow? Why is this coming from a pregnant cow? What's going on there? Since uh, most consumers, of course, are blissfully unaware of the suffering that dairy cows go through in order to produce what is touted uh, somewhat erroneously, we might say, as nature's perfect food. And that is what consumers might learn uh, when they see labels such as that or when they listen to the feature called Science Fact. That was the winner for the Science Fact for this VegCast. The first runner-up, however, was a different Uh, data point that milk is uh, slowly disappearing from America's dinner tables. And, of course, I found this out uh, by being on a mailing list, which I never actually signed up for, uh, of a milk PR firm that sent out a very alarming press release uh, showing that, uh, you know, kids were drinking soft drinks instead of milk, which, of course, soft drinks are not uh, nature's perfect food either. And uh, there are certainly uh, fewer actual vitamins in them. However, uh, the concept that milk is something that children should drink for health at least is slowly eroding. So uh, that's something worth noting, but uh, the exact... Uh, article, the exact study that that was based on is shrouded in uh, the 
uh, archives or the behind some kind of registration wall of the firm that did that, so I wasn't comfortable uh, citing that. We try to stick with only things that are peer-reviewed and uh, scientifically verifiable in the science fact, but I'm just throwing that in there for your information, and now it's about time to get out of here. Okay, thanks to everybody for uh, appearing or agreeing to appear on this VegCast. Ted Barnett, Joanne Farb, Howard Lyman, Kyle Vincent, Sarah Schluter, Eisman. And thank you for downloading VegCast and or subscribing. Remember, you can subscribe at iTunes. And also, it bears mentioning that at this Summerfest, Brenda Davis was inducted into the Vegetarian Hall of Fame. And VegCast was the first media outlet to get an interview with her. So you'll hear that on the next upcoming VegCast. But until then, get out there and live like you mean it. VegCast.